is up? It's The Rant. My name is Jeff Radcliffe, and it is Monday, August 22nd. We're heading into it, man. This weekend's the biggest fantasy football draft day of the year. This Saturday. It is. Whether you're drafting on it or not, it is. And, uh, well, we're going to be ready to roll because we're going to get through these team previews here this week for you and get you set up, of course, today. We're going to talk about the New Orleans Saints and the New York Giants. But, you know, if you want more stuff available to you for your fantasy football draft stuff, then head on over to FTNFantasy.com. You get the award-winning rankings most accurate in the industry last year. The projections, the two draft guides, the game plan draft guide is updated as of today, by the way. Uh, so brand new. Updated cheat sheets, updated rankings. There are players moving all over the place on these things. Antonio Gibson going down, Brian Robinson moving up. Yeah, all that and so much more. And I recommend the Platinum subscription. That way you get access not only to all those goods, but also League Sync, uh, the Discord, where you can talk directly to me and our other staffers without having to worry about the billions of people on Twitter and me not seeing the question. I answer every question that I am added on Discord. Also, the premium tools with the Platinum subscription. Use the promo code RATPACK, R-A-T-P-A-C-K. Get you 20% off on that subscription. Go check it out, ftnfantasy.com. Let's start with the New Orleans Saints, and we have to start with the biggest story. And there are a couple uh, of big stories for the New Orleans Saints. Uh, obviously, it, it's kind of weird when you your head coach uh, retires, sort of, <laughs> And that's not the biggest story, because it's obviously Alvin Kamara. Now, there is a lot of misinformation out there among the fantasy playing public about where Alvin Kamara stands currently. And a lot of that came from a headline uh, about a month and a half or so ago uh, that read something to the effect of Kamara bracing for a six-game suspension. Now, that was the headline But it wasn't the whole quote because it actually came from another headline at Pro Football Talk that said Kamara is bracing for a six-game suspension eventually. And, of course, when this came out, the people, uh, the very level-headed fantasy-playing public, thought, okay, Kamara's immediately suspended. Well, I don't think anybody thinks that anymore, but I still do think that the general consensus is that Kamara is going to be suspended and it's likely going to be a six-game. Now, that is not how things exactly work in the NFL, right? The sixth game was tied to the personal conduct policy because Kamara is facing a felony charge for the incident, the fight that went down during Pro Bowl weekend. Now, if it is not a felony, it is not a six-game suspension. So right now, where are we? The NFL lets the legal proceeding play out in instances like this, and will ultimately issue a suspension once the legal process is over. Now, the initial hearing for Alvin Kamara was supposed to take place in April. It got pushed back to August 1st. On August 1st, Kamara's attorneys uh, asked for another postponement of 60 days, which puts it at September 29th. Now, when we reach September 29th, it could be postponed again, because it's legal proceedings, hurry up and wait. Uh, The case could be thrown out, or the charge is reduced, or there's a number of instances there. Or, you know, ultimately, yes, Kamara could plead not guilty, and then it advances to the next step. There are a lot of moving pieces here. Now, if it's thrown out, he will be suspended fairly quickly. 
uh, just because it still was a personal conduct issue, and I would expect it to be two games. Two games somewhere in the middle of the season, okay, whoopity-doo. Uh, if it um, advances beyond this initial hearing, and by the way, if the initial hearing gets pushed back, then no suspension uh, until we get beyond this initial hearing. If it advances beyond that, I do not think any court proceedings will play out until 2023, the way that the timeline is structured currently. So in other words... If he's suspended, it will only be a minor suspension this season, or he may not even be suspended until next year. And here's where we have to ask ourselves the question. If Alvin Kamara, if he had none of this hanging over his head, where are we drafting him? Are we drafting him? We're not drafting him at one, right? We're not drafting him ahead of Taylor. We're probably not drafting him ahead of McCaffrey or Eckler or Derrick Henry. Maybe. Are we drafting him ahead of Najee Harris? Are we drafting him ahead of Dalvin Cook? These are, and and I'm not saying flat out yes or no. I know it's a matter of preference. For me, I would say no to Cook, no to Henry, but yes to Najee, which in other words would put him as a mid-first round pick. And you don't even have to look at Camaro right now until like the mid-second round. So as far as I'm concerned, I, I am maybe hedging a little bit by ranking him at RB9, but it's still pretty aggressive and it's an early second round pick where I'm valuing him. I have no issue taking him whatsoever. I think we got a nice little discount. I'm going to take the discount on him. Uh, Mark Ingram is in that backfield, and he would be the cuff, I guess, if Camaro went down. It's it's a little bit of a mess of a backfield. Uh, not not much there. Maybe Abram Smith, uh, the rookie, could emerge. But right now, it looks like the cuff is Ingram. Now, let's go over to quarterback. Jameis Winston was a little dinged up. Now, he's obviously coming off the ACL, but he was dinged up in camp with a foot injury. He is back in practice, so that is good. They won't have to rely on Andy Dalton or Ian Book or Taysom Hill or whoever. Uh, Jameis is going to be the starter. Jameis has mid-range quarterback two appeal. He's volatile, but he does have a high ceiling. I mean, this is a guy who did throw for 5,000 yards. Yes, he threw for 30 interceptions that year, but still 5,000 yards. So... Safe and upside, if you miss um, on some of the more appealing upside guys, I have no issue with taking Jameis. It's, if we were in, in fantasy leagues that penalized us heavily for interceptions, yeah, maybe we'd think twice, but what are you losing? A point? Two points? Big deal. So Jameis is fine as a late-round guy or like a um, you know very, very late second quarterback in a two-quarterback Superflex league. Uh, all right, so couple other big stories here right Dennis Allen is the head coach not much really changes from the offensive philosophy except they may be a little bit more uh prone to go three wide sets throw the ball a little bit more than they did under Sean Payton which is fine but the other big story is Michael Thomas is back sort of right he is not playing yet and the expectation is that he will be by the start of the season but he's already suffered a different injury a hammy so we have to be very, very, very careful with Michael Thomas. I have him as a wide receiver three. Like, he's outside of my top 25 right now. And honestly, where he's going, I've just let other people draft him. This past weekend, I had a decision between Michael Thomas and Chris Godwin, both coming off of injuries, right? And I went with Godwin. Um, and it's close. It's close. But I honestly just didn't want the headache of Michael Thomas. Sometimes I will do something as simple as that if it's like if these guys are basically side-by-side, side, dead even, 
who gives me the least headache and then I'll go with that guy I know it's not particularly scientific but sometimes it has to be that way but the player I'm actually really targeting because I do want a piece of this offense is rookie Chris Olave this kid's silky smooth he's the best route runner in this year's class he's not the biggest dude but man is he athletic super fast uber polished like polished beyond his years from a route running standpoint and I think he can make a big difference for this team, especially with Jameis. You know, Jameis looks vertically, and it's not that Olave's a vertical guy, but he can use his speed to, to get downfield. So if I'm going to get a piece of it, it is going to be him. As far as the tight ends are concerned, okay, so Troutman and Taysom Hill are the tight ends. And I really don't think there's an appeal to either of them. I like Troutman coming to the league, and maybe, you know, if you have him kicking around on a dynasty roster, there's still there's still a future where Troutman could be a viable fantasy option. I don't think a future in 2022 outside of a couple games, but a future down the line because he is hes a good pass catcher. He is. It's just, I don't think it happens this year. And they are going to use Taysom Hill enough as a tight end because they're going to use him as everything. He will occasionally take snap, snaps at quarterback. He will uh, be a running back. He will play out, split out wide. He'll play in line. I mean, heck, they have him blocking. But there's just not enough appeal due to the volume or lack thereof that I think he sees this season. So I'm, I'm not in on Taysom Hill uh, in that role right there as a tight end. So really, not worried about Kamara. If I can get a piece of Alave, I will. Maybe Jameis late on this roster. All right, let's move over to the New York football Giants. And yet again, I'm going to start at running back. Because it is interesting. We go through these cycles in a fantasy season. We go through like the end of last year's season into the NFL playoffs and maybe even right after the Super Bowl. There are certain players who are dead to a lot of fantasy managers, right? You know the mentality, the old man fantasy manager, I'm never going to draft him again. That guy, you know, everybody has one of those in their league, maybe maybe more than one of those guys in their league. Anyway, um, Saquon really fit the bill <laughs> for those guys. Uh, he has over the last two seasons. He's been dinged up uh, regularly and hasn't been particularly effective uh, when healthy. Now, keep in mind, though, last year he was coming off the ACL, and he really never quite looked himself, and then obviously the ankle injury, and just never quite got there. Now, this year we are a year removed from all of that, from the ACL, especially another year removed, I should say. And it's interesting because Saquon went from people not wanting anything to do with him in February to eh, maybe you had a little, you know, some folks banging the drum for him in April and May best balls to now all of a sudden... Everybody freaking wants Saquon Barkley again? Like, what happens? I want to know what happens in fantasy football that causes everybody to have this amnesia year over year where they forget exactly what they thought about a player, and then now here we are. Now, to be fair, I, I've had him as either a fringe RB1 or a front-end RB2 for the most of the offseason. And yes, there can be some upside, especially if this blend, because remember, it's not just a Brian Dable offense. It's Brian Dable and Matt Kafka. Now, Kafka is an Andy, that's an Andy Reid offense. So you're going to get Dable and West Coast, Andy, Andy Reid's version of West Coast, like, you know, West Coast, whatever point oh, uh, we are at this point in the evolution of football offenses. But you'll get those two together, which is interesting. And 
remember that. Well, maybe if you if you don't know this, um, short passing plays are really extensions of the run game in uh, the West Coast offense, especially the way Andy Reid does it. So that fits well with Saquon's uh, skill set. Now, the challenge, though, is that if this falls flat again, I just don't want to be investing too heavily. He's a dead zone back for me. He's just outside of my top 10, and I just I, – I haven't – outside of best ball, of course, I'm going to get shares of everybody in best ball if I can. Uh, but outside of best ball, I'm not – I don't have anything Saquon-related in redraft. But I'm not going to talk you out of it as long as it's not second round, man. People drafting this dude in the second round. Third round, I'm all right with it if you're a robust RB person. I'm just not. So I'm not going to take him, but you do you, all right, dog? Now, as far as a cuff, because I think that is important, we don't quite know. I will tell you this. So far in the preseason, we haven't seen any of Matt Breda, but Gary Brightwell has looked the best of the bunch, but that doesn't mean anything. doesn't mean he's going to be the handcuff. So uh, that one is a little bit up in the air right now. We'll have to come back to it. Uh, but Brightwell has looked like the best. It could end up being Breda. I just feel like Breda's role wouldn't change, though, if Saquon went down and they would go a little further down the depth chart. Uh, let's move to a quarterback. Daniel Jones is there. Terod Taylor is there. That's a good backup, man. It's a great situation for them. And I will tell you that Daniel Jones in this preseason game, the second preseason game, honestly looked pretty comfortable. Now, he did throw a pick, but he went 14 of 16. So he looked pretty comfortable. If you're looking for... You know, you're in a deeper, like a 14-teamer or a 16-teamer with one quarterback, and you just want like high upside, but you don't want to have to pay anything for it. Sure, Daniel Jones could be that guy, but man, but man, I would be careful with your expectations there. But I think you probably already know that. The nice thing is he has at least shown a high ceiling in the past, but obviously we're not overly bullish on Daniel Jones. Uh, and part of it is because he was throwing the football too. So I, I do like Kadarius Tony. I'll talk about him in a minute. But Kenny Galladay played most of those snaps uh, with Daniel Jones in the, in the second preseason game and didn't even get a look. Like, just don't even bother with Kenny Galladay at this point. I moved him far enough down my board that we don't have to worry about it. But I think the players that we're probably most interested in right now are Tony and then later on Wandale Robinson. So let's talk Tony first. Tony has already shown a nice connection with Daniel Jones last year. We just needed him to stay healthy, but could he be the Stephon Diggs role in this offense? Like, if you get that component of the Dable offense in place, yes. He's athletic as well, gives you the speed profile, the, you know, the he can, he can handle high-volume targets. I mean, there's so many things working in his favor. So I would be looking at Kadarius Toney as uh, essentially – uh, fringy wide receiver three or back end wide receiver three. Like if you draft him as the 35th wide receiver off the board, I don't think that's bad at all because you're shooting for a high ceiling with him. It's not a high floor play, but then again, who would be uh, with <laughs> Daniel Jones throwing him the football, but, but you get the high ceiling. Now, Wandale Robinson, you know, who he, he actually reminds me a lot of coming into the league is Rondale Moore. Wandale and Rondale, very similar. And what's similar about these two players is they have that gadgety profile, and I don't want to use gadget in a bad way, like a derogatory way. Sometimes it's thrown around like, oh, he's only a gadget guy. Not in today's NFL. Like, gadget, heck, Tyreek Hill at times can be a gadget player, right? Gadget's not a bad thing. It means you're versatile, you're positionless, and Wandale Robinson has that. Wandale Robinson is freakishly athletic, just like Rondale Moore is. Wandale Robinson is not a big dude. And that's the one major drawback that that I kind of run into where 
are we going to see enough volume that he is fantasy viable? And maybe he maybe he does ultimately get that sort of work, especially if Kenny Galladay doesn't see any targets and Sterling Shepard continues to always be banged up and the rest of the guys are just the rest of the guys on this roster. But uh, that's the drawback to him. So I'm not going overboard on uh, Wandale Robinson, but he is interesting. Now, as far as tight end is concerned, we could see a rookie being their top tight end because remember, Evan Ingram isn't there anymore. Daniel Bellinger, I mean, Ricky Seals-Jones hasn't looked particularly good uh, according to all the beat writers. So we could see Bellinger. There's no fantasy relevance of Bellinger, at least in year one. But you dynasty folks, I mean, tight end is hard to find no matter where you are. So tucking him away, not a bad thing. Also, never a bad thing if you go to ftnfantasy.com. My draft strategy guide article, fantasy football draft strategy guide article, if you're going to read one article, it should be that. Now, it is behind a paywall, but it breaks down all draft strategy that you need to know. Promo code RATPACK for 20% off to get that article and everything else. All right, at Jeff Radcliffe on Twitter. I see you Rat Packers out there. Uh, Tomorrow, Jets, Eagles, coming at you. I'll catch you on the flip side. I'm Jeff Radcliffe, and I'm out.